Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, he's the man now in charge of rugby in Australia. As a player, of course, Daniel Herbert did it all, including victory in the 99 Rugby World Cup that year. He was also World Player of the Year. But now as chairman of Rugby Australia, it's a very different challenge. And I'm pleased to say that Dan Herbert joins me on the morning show. Good morning, Dan. So how different, how big is this challenge? Good morning, Matt, and good morning to all your listeners. Oh, it's a big challenge. There's there's no doubt about that. Every, uh, you know, our... A performance at the recent World Cup uh, has probably uh, brought everything to a head, and everyone's very, very disappointed about that. Uh, there's a number of really good opportunities, you know, coming up in our, uh, you know, in our event schedule. So we, you know, we've got a lot of work to do, and uh, you know, there's plenty of challenges. There's, you know, that's for sure. So we will, uh, we'll put our, our shoulder to the wheel, as I say, and uh, mate, we've got a, a few really good exciting for the next couple of months that can get us back on track. We'll get to some of the deeper rooted issues in just a sec, but I want to know from a personal perspective, how the last, I mean, it's almost two weeks now since you've become chair. So how the last couple of weeks been for you? You, you must have got some, you know, advice and calls and support and all sorts of stuff coming your way. Were you, were you prepared and expecting all of that? Oh, I don't think prepared for it. I mean, I you know when it all sort of started to unfold, I was uh, heading to a, a mate's house for a dinner party, and uh, you know I was sitting down to have something to eat, and then you know then it all started to unfold. So I don't think I don't think you're ever <clears throat> fully prepared for it. But uh, yeah, it's been look, it's been a pretty hectic uh, probably ten or so days, however long it is, and um, I've had my phone on do not disturb most of the time. But uh, you know, there's been a lot of people reaching out, wishing well, and and that's been nice. Aware of the challenges that lie ahead, and uh, and there's plenty of them. But uh, we've got a good team there. At Red. We've got a good group of directors around me as well. So we'll uh, you know we'll certainly do our bit to get it back on track. You've been on the board for a few years. Did you have designs on becoming chairman? Uh, God no. I was happy being a backbencher. I was happy doing my bit behind the scenes to uh, the board and the game more broadly where I could incognito, but. Uh, uh, so no, certainly no designs. I never thought, you know, I never thought this would uh, this would occur. But you know, sometimes you don't choose what what happens, and uh, you've just got to get in and, and do your bit. So uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to making a you know a bigger contribution and doing what I can. And uh, you know, I understand. I think the game. I've been around it for 45 years at all levels, and uh, you know, I understand all of the different layering of the game and uh, the stakeholder part of it. So. 
look, it's it's a challenge, and there's always been a level of friction within the game, and uh, you know we've got to we've got to bring it together and not waste this opportunity. You know, there's you know there's a a mini crisis afoot, and we need to use that to our advantage to try and get all the stakeholders in a room and agree on a path a pathway uh, taking us forward. Part of the reasons behind Hamish McLennan's departure were the member union citing a lack of trust or faith in his leadership or the direction that he was taking Rugby Australia. What do you think will be different about your leadership and your direction? Well, I mean, actions will speak louder than words, but you know, I'll certainly be listening to people. We've got to get out. And I think sitting on, sitting on the other side of that table from a state union point of view, which I did for eight years a long time ago, uh, you just want to know that you know you're being heard and listened to, and sometimes some of the best talent, both from a playing perspective and uh, and an administration perspective, sits there as well. So they've got some good ideas, some good experience, and and they want to be heard. And uh, and some of the ideas that will come from them uh, will be really crucial as to how we move forward. So you know, I, I go back to we've just got to unite and not you know not be seen as a, I guess, a governing body that's. Uh, it's not in sync with all of its stakeholders. We've got to listen to them and uh, and then we've got to take it on and, and chart our way forward. How do you reflect on the Eddie Jones experiment? I'll, I'll say it like that. How do you reflect on that time and, and Rugby Australia's, the board, everybody that was, that was alongside for that ride and that period that's gone on over the last, well, less than a year now? Yeah, look, it was you know it was a bit tumultuous, wasn't it? I mean, it uh, it was always high risk. I think if uh, you know myself at the time, there was myself, Andy, and Phil sitting around, and, and we knew that that would you know making a decision of that magnitude, that close to World Cup, would certainly bring with it um, some high risk. And we sat and debated it for a long time with the, the other board members around the different scenarios that could unfold. You know, from a player point of view, from a staffing point of view, often. When you move one domino, that you know it affects some others, and what will that mean to the playing group? And we came back to we didn't feel that the team at that point was necessarily on point to go through and win a rugby world cup, and we felt that winning a world cup away from home, you know, that would certainly um, energise the sport. But we made a final in in 2015, and in 2016, I think normal programming was resumed. We lost at home to England three nil. Super rugby clubs weren't able to beat New Zealand teams. So even making a final in 2015 didn't make a big impact from a participation base or a commercial base. So we felt that the only way that we would really make an impact on the Australian market was to win the tournament, and we didn't feel that we were on track. And I think there was a there's a fair gap between the top four. If you look at South Africa, New Zealand, France and Ireland, there's a fair gap to the next, and we didn't feel that we were really um, going to bridge that gap. Um, without some sort of change. and uh, But with that change, we knew the risk that, that came. You could go backwards before you go forwards. So that was certainly debated heavily and, um, you know, it obviously didn't go to plan. Do you regret that, that decision that you made with Eddie Jones? Oh, that's a hard one to ask because, as I said, I don't think we were, I don't think we were on the right track. Um, you know, it's easy to look back in hindsight now, but you know, I think had we not have done something, then equally we could have been criticised because we wouldn't have made. You know, we I don't think we would have made the final. It's all hypothetical now, but you know, I didn't feel, and we certainly didn't feel after losing to Italy and and not having a great spring tour. I mean, we pushed Ireland and France close, but you know, they hadn't played for six months, so weren't uh, going to be at their optimum when we were there. So. 
uh, it's it's obviously easy in hindsight, but we certainly debated, and uh, you know the three of us who've been involved in those situations before knew the risk that came with it. So it's hard to say, hard to say really for me because it, uh, I don't think we would have featured at the pointy end necessarily anyway. It's an interesting one, isn't it? What happened at the Rugby World Cup, Dan? Because you wonder if Australia had have got through, if if they had have got past where they got to whether or not that had papered over the cracks. And, and you referred to this earlier as a mini crisis, and it makes you wonder whether this is the kind of bottoming out, the crisis that rugby had to have, which is not a good position to be in, but sometimes you've got to bottom out to, to know where you've got to go. Is is that the view at the moment? Yeah, well, before anyone said it's the recession we had to have, and I think, as I said, back in 2015, we almost got bundled out by Scotland in the quarterfinal. And... Had that have happened, I think we would have, you know, we would have done something about it then because uh, we would have been forced to, you know, we would have looked at, we would have looked at why, why that occurred, and I think we would have made some some changes at the time. But I think because we made it all the way through, we felt that we were, you know, still able to compete with the world best, so we didn't really have to change anything. And uh, so I, I do think it papered over the cracks. And I know, uh, looking back, I, I left the game around that time, but looking. The moves made to try to do this then in terms of trying to uh, align the high-performance aspects, um, but it was unsuccessful. And it's been unsuccessful a few times because of the parochial nature of, of what we're dealing with. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping we don't miss this opportunity. It's a, you know, we've got particularly with the, the pipeline of big events coming down, you know, and this isn't a switch that you're going to flick. It's, it's going to take a bit of time, but the sooner you start the further you'll get in a short period of time. So, uh, you know, I, I do see it that way. I, I see it as finally we've got, I think, everyone realising that uh, it, it's not down to a coach. You know, it's not down to, you know, just the uh, the athletic makeup of our players. It's actually the high-performance system that, you know, is, uh, is slightly off-kilter. And it was okay when I was running around a long time ago because everyone was the same. Everyone was uh, misaligned. But uh, now... You know, particularly our, our major competitor, New Zealand. You know, if we were a domestic game and, uh, you know, like our major competitors and weren't constantly competing with some, you know, some really big global uh, um, then, it, then it wouldn't be such a big deal. But the reality is we're, a, we're an international sport and our neighbour is very organised and we play them all the time. And I think the, in the history of sport, they're the most successful team of any sport. When when I refer to the All Blacks, and uh, they've got pretty good Super Rugby teams as well. So, you know, they're they're not only very good historically, but they're now very aligned, and they have been for some time. And and uh, you know, I liken it to fighting Muhammad Ali in his prime with one arm tied behind your back. You know, we've got to we've got to fix it, and this is you know this is the time. What about other competitors, Dan, in the professional sporting marketplace? You've got the NRL, the AFL, obviously, in your own backyard. How do you propose to tackle the competition? You've got a lot to sort out in your own game, but what about your competition? We're talking players, um, we're talking pathways, eyeballs, sponsorship, everything. Have you have you worked on a plan on how to tackle Peter Volandis, for instance, at the NRL? I mean, your, predece- your predecessor didn't mind, didn't mind a slanging match. How are you going to approach that? No, look, I, I, that that's just not my style. I won't be doing that. I mean, I, I said the other day when I was talking to some media that we've got enough in our own backyard right now that we have to focus on. And I, and I do think, you know, buy around that. And I don't mean to talk purely about the high-performance aspect. It's more about, I know, of the game is really uh, driven by how our Wallabies perform. 
and that's the reality. And you and I probably wouldn't be having this conversation right now had the Wallabies not have have performed as they did and been bundled out. Uh, the changes probably wouldn't have occurred, and we would have, you know, if we'd made even a semi-final, um, we might have just continued on with life as it was. But you know, I'm hoping that this now drives the uh, the opportunity that we've got. So right now, I think the biggest boxes we need to tick are within our control, within the game's control, and then. You know, the, the commercial aspect, and, you know, it's probably more from a uh, our direct competitor on the field, you know, New Zealand and, and even Ireland and what some of these competitors that we've had, they've they've been able to re-energise the commercial side and the participation side through driving the high performance. And that's why I come back to, if we can get that working, then more sponsors want to be attached to a winning team. The broadcast will increase when it's a winning team. Uh, but at the moment, the outcome's all too predictable because we're, you know, if, if we were England playing New Zealand once every three or five years, then it wouldn't be such a big deal, but we have to play them a lot. Uh, so that's, you know, once we can fix that up, and, uh, you know, I've been, I was working in the game when Rugby Australia tried to do this previously, and it came around to capability. Have you got the capability to do it? Uh, so that's why I keep referring to the importance of a performance director um, who looks after tomorrow. You know, the coach looks after today. The high performance director looks at it and make sure that you've got a, a system that's humming, uh, but it's a you know it's a challenging job. So, uh, three or four quick issues to finish off, and, and just on what you said about your high performance director, I'll, I'll attach that to the Wallabies coach. Where are you at with your high performance director scope in terms of who you're looking at and when you think you can get a deal done, and where are you at in terms of names, if not urgency, if you see it in that part on the next Wallabies coach? Yeah, well, I'd, you know, if you look at the um, Eddie Jones bookends, the Wallaby coaches, we're not, you know, you don't outrun a bad diet and you're not going to outcoach a misaligned system. So that's where I've deliberately driven the narrative away from the, the coach because changing the coach just doesn't change anything. And, uh, you know, if, if we look at all of the coaches that we've had coaching the Wallabies over the last 15, 20 years, they've been successful before they've got there and, uh, and been successful often after they've left. So it's you know if we put down purely a coach, it's it's the wrong way of looking at it. Um, that's not scouting. That they have to be really you know we have to choose a really good person to come in, and they're going to be an important leader for the players and the staff. But you know it's not going to change unless we can change the system and the alignment of the Super Rugby clubs with the national team. So um, in terms of where we're at, we've been uh, running the process now for a couple of months. It uh, we deliberately kept it open. Uh, after the World Cup because we knew that there's a lot of people who just didn't want to talk to you in the lead-up to a World Cup. You know, they were focused on their own their own team. So we waited until after that. And uh, But we're, we're very well advanced and we'd like to think that there'd be a, be a decision in the coming weeks or an announcement in the coming weeks. You know, we'll be we'll be getting to that very, very quickly. It'll be, you know, one of the first orders of business as is right now. The other really important appointment that we're looking to make is the first full-time head coach of the Wallaroos um, they've done, you know, they've done really, really well in the WXV recently. Um, they're an exciting team, and uh, you know, we're we're taking some some small steps toward, uh, you know, toward making that environment more professional as well. I know you don't want to give names away, and you won't name names, but let me ask you this: Has anyone knocked on your door about being Wallabies coach in particular, or Wallaroos coach for that matter? Uh, yeah. Yeah, people always come and knock on doors, and you know, managers who knock and let you know that you know they've either they're interested or they, their client would be interested in having a discussion. So, 
Um, we already know there's, you know, between Phil and myself, we already know there's a there's a group of people out there who are who are up to this job, and we know that it'll it'll come from a uh, you know a pretty short list of people who've demonstrated success in in different environments. So, um, but what we want to do is wait for the high performance director to be in place, see if they've got any other ideas, and then quickly get their skates on and uh, and start that. But we've already had you know we've already had a number of people reach out. So a couple to finish, Dan. First up. Where are the finances? Does Rugby Australia have the funds to continue to try and do what you want to achieve? Uh, look, you can't do everything, you know, and this is going to be something that uh, that the board is going to have to stare into. We don't... We we have a lot of balance to see, and I think one of the challenges we've had is we've tried to be everything. And we've tried... Uh, we've tried... We've been very spread across the board and very thinly spread and uh, and widely spread and, and I think part of that is we end up doing a lot of things but not doing everything uh, really well so you know we will have to uh, we'll have to stare into what we what we can afford to invest in right now and what's going to make the biggest impact um, and uh, and that's coming up over the next uh, month or so we'll have to finalize the budget for next year and then we know what's coming down in 25 and and, uh, and 26, so there's some good things happening. Obviously, with the Lions in 25 and the World Club Championship, I think that comes in around 26. We've got uh, Women's World Cup uh, 29, and, and there's some obviously some Rugby Championship and uh, Bledisloe's and other things. And uh, so there's plenty of there's plenty there, but uh, you know 24 is going to be another challenging year. Um, so uh, we're going to have to look at where we can allocate. And we obviously have that. We announced the debt facility to get us through, you know, we needed a bit of headroom and, uh, you know, that's been secured, which is good. So that gives us a bit of an ability to um, to, to make some investment, but we've also got to be responsible around that. You know, that's that debt comes with interest and we've got to be really, um, you know, we can't continue to be everything to everyone. It's, you know, we are going to have to prioritise. So that's, you know, that's something that the board are going to have to stare into over the next month. So it's clear that you've got a lot on your plate. That's absolutely clear. And I, and I can tell you from the listener reaction that we get, especially from lovers of rugby, you know, fans of rugby, and you are one, you're an ex-player. You've achieved at the highest level. Clarity's been something that they say have been missing. So what is a clear message from the chairman now to fans of rugby in Australia for what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? I mean, the uh, <laughs> we're going we're to make some really important announcements over the next next couple of months. Uh, we won't be able to please everyone, but we will focus on the areas that will drive the biggest impact for the game. And uh, and we need to, you know, the, I talked about the, the sentiment around the uh, national teams performing. Uh, we need to unite the game. We need to bring everyone. That'll be, you know, that'll be my job. That'll be Phil's job to bring the game together. Not everyone's going to be happy with everything that occurs, but we will chart a way forward. And uh, and we'll do it responsibly, and uh, you know we'll make sure that we get our national teams humming to give us the opportunity to perform on the big stage, to drive the dollars, uh, to drive the broadcast and sponsorship and everything that uh, can then feed the wider game, um, because 80% of the money that comes into the game comes through that call it the high performance or the professional aspect, and that's the money that then needs to be invested in the community game to grow that. Um, the success measure is how many people are playing the game and how many are out to watch it. And, you know, if I'd, uh, if I'd had a dollar for everyone who's given me some free advice over the, over the last couple of weeks, um, you know, what it shows to me is there's, uh, there's a real undercurrent 
and you get on board and and want to believe in uh, in our teams again. And uh, I think there's a there's a great opportunity in front of us. We've just got to make sure that the game, you know, from the fans and the players, use the opportunity, and the administrators uh, take the opportunity to make sure that we make some really fundamental change that can set us up for success. Daniel Herbert, we appreciate your time this morning. Best of luck in this job. It is still only brand new, but thanks for your time, mate. Really appreciate it. Thanks, mate. My pleasure.